Well, we want to welcome you online this morning. And again, remember, if you go to your phone, there is an outline of this morning's message. And of course, if you have any comments, you can go to the comment section online and there's a tab that you can let us know what God is doing in your life and someone will get in contact with you. Glad to have you this morning. Now, I've been looking forward to this day to tell you how to vote. The audacity, Pastor, the audacity to say that you can tell us how to vote. Well, we're going to go to God's word and look at it. I'm not going to talk about policy. We're not talking about COVID. We're not talking about race. We're talking about a way of life for God's kids on this planet. Amen. That's what we're going to talk about. So the title of this morning's message is Choose This Day Who You Will Serve. Choose this day who you will serve. Now, I get my cue from a corrupt kingdom, that is, Israel's kingdom was very corrupt under one of the most corrupt kings. Don't try to make any affiliations with our president king or presidents. or that, That's not what this is about this morning. 1 Kings 18, if you'd like to turn there, 1 Kings 18. We pick up the story where this kingdom was so corrupt and one of the most wicked kings on, in, in, in Israel's history up to this time, King Ahab. And so God sent some messengers to this king. And uh, even this particular prophet thought, well, there's, there's no God people on this planet anymore. There's no kingdom kids on this planet. There's no priests. There's no prophets and uh, so even he was discouraged and full of despair. So God sent this prophet to the king. And so we pick up in verse 16, the story. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him. And Ahab went to meet Elijah. And when we saw Elijah, actually King Ahab saw him. He said, is that you, troubler of Israel? <laughs> What, what does the world call us? They, they, they think we're the ones causing trouble when really they're the ones causing trouble. So see, even back then, they were calling God's best prophet on the planet a troublemaker. Imagine that. And when he saw Elijah said, is that you, you troubler of Israel? <laughs> I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. But you and your family or you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals or the world or the world's system. Now, summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's, Jezebel's table. Notice no one's ever named their daughter or very few Jezebel. I'm sorry if you have. You can rename your child's name just like on Google you do a document. You can rename it. You can rename your child's name if you'd like. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If, and in the regular Greek and Hebrew, if Yahweh or Jehovah is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. 
Kind of reminds me of today. Are God's people speaking up about the corruption? Now, Israel had a choice. Their country had become corrupt along with their political leadership. We're talking about moving away from God, not policy this morning again. I remind you, policy is a whole different beast. We're talking about moving away from God. The country moved away from God. They had a choice. Were they going to listen to their corrupt politicians or listen to God's prophets, priests, and some and many of Israel's religious leaders who were wanting to influence the politicians because it affected the well-being of their lives? Many wanted the country to return, repent and return. Haven't we heard about that? Repent and return to God in obedience. Well, it's as plain as day. If we are intellectually and spiritually honest, we know that the population is corrupt. Our politicians are corrupt. The media is corrupt. Hollywood is corrupt. And our parties are corrupt. So how do we vote? We have corruption in the two parties, but there is a major difference in this corruption. Hmm. I thought crud smelled like crud. Notice I used a nice word. The difference. The two parties have two playbooks. Now, I think about football. Many of you like college football and I don't know if you know it, but if one of your children want to play football and they're, they're big on defense or running, they're not going to look at the playbook out west where, they, where offense is the primary concern of their playbook. They want to go to the Big Ten, Ohio or perhaps uh, Michigan. They, they want to um, go to where defense is a great part of their playbook. And if you go to a church, you should look at their playbook or their doctrinal statement or their platform. Hey, I believe Jesus was a created being versus, no, Jesus has always existed and he became flesh. Now, don't you look at the playbook before you join a church? What about a university? Do you not look at their playbook? What do they believe? What do they stand for? And so you and me need to look at the playbook of these two parties. Forget who's at the head of the party. We're not talking about a personality. We're talking about a playbook, one that allows, now listen, one that allows and promotes and permits the kingdom values and way of life to influence their playbook. That's one playbook. And one playbook that is anti-God and his way of life on this planet. Not only that, but this playbook that is anti-God actually Rights, laws against his laws. Can you imagine trying to write a law that counters the law of gravity? That's exactly what one of the parties playbook, one of their plays, their laws, the purpose of life, the definition of sex, creation, prayer. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's back up for a moment. Let me explain a little bit about this word corruption because therein lies our problem. Let's look, first of all, at the background of the state of this planet. 
in Genesis 1, you recall very clearly what God said. Genesis 1.31. God looked over all that he had made and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning came and marked the sixth day. God said in Genesis 1.1a, he said everything was perfect and good. Everything that he created. So what happened? This earth was a perfect place with a perfect people, a perfect king, and a perfect wife. And a perfect husband. Amen, ladies. Satan tempted the woman who influenced the man. We're both guilty. And the world became corrupt. It became so corrupt that God literally passed judgment on the earth and killed every breathing human being on the face of this earth except one man and his family, Noah. Does the world believe that? Crud, no. They don't believe it. They believe there was no worldwide flood. After God spared Noah, put him back on this planet, the earth became, you guessed it, totally corrupt again. What did God do? He destroyed the world by a flood again, didn't he? No, he promised us he would never do that because he gave us a rainbow in the sky. And that promise was he would never destroy the world by a flood. So what did he do to counter the corruption? He confused the one language on earth. Remember, we were one people. I like what Ken Ham says. We are one race under God. One people. But what he did is he confused the one language and made many languages out of one. And scattered people all over the face of the earth. So the whole earth was full of corruption and corrupt people. The conclusion, the world is corrupt. Every single nation is corrupt. I'm laying a foundation because the argument always is, who do I vote for? One seems to be more righteous than another, and I want to tell you right now, let's assume everything is corrupt and everybody is corrupt. Actually, that's what the scripture teaches. I'll get there in just a second, but let me remind you what is corrupt. Every person is corrupt. Every nation is corrupt. Every single race is corrupt. Every ethnic group is corrupt. Every party is corrupt. Our educational system is corrupt. Our universities are corrupt. Our government is corrupt. Our entertainment industry is corrupt. Science is corrupt. Biology is corrupt. Geography is corrupt. And some of our churches are corrupt. You get the idea. We live in a stench of corruption. And we have moved away from God. We have moved out of the Garden of Eden. Totally corrupt. I do not believe in the eschatology, which I got my doctorate in eschatology, that says things are going to get better and that we're actually going to usher in the kingdom of God and the second coming of Jesus in the cloud. Do you believe that? If you believe that, I got some snow in the Everglades I'd like to sell you. He said things are going to go bad to worse. He even said, will I find faith on the earth when I come back? And something else he said, as it was in the days of Noah, 
so will it be in the days before his second coming. I'm paraphrasing. Well, God is right when he said in Psalms 14, 2 through 3, where do I get this idea of total corruption? Well, Psalms 14, 2 through 3 reminds us of that. Psalms 14, 2, the Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race. Notice the entire human race. No ethnic group, no races picked out because we're all one race under God. He looked to see if anyone was truly wise, was one race better than another race, one individual better than another, one party better than another. If anyone on this entire planet seeks him, and guess what the conclusion he came to was? No. All have turned away and have become corrupt. No one does good, not a single one. That's God's conclusion about this planet. Therefore, no one has special status. No individual, no party, nobody can take the high moral ground. No one has an advantage since everyone is corrupt and every party is corrupt. Well, what difference does it make about my little old vote? Well, let's examine this idea. The reality is this. In the midst of corruption, God has a remnant that he spared out of the corruption. Those people that he saved for himself, he has sprinkled them all over the corruption. We have been separated from the world. Let me get my cue from Romans 11. Specifically talking about Israel, even though he scattered them all over the world, he reminded us that one day they would become a nation again. But he also is speaking to believers because we are truly Abraham's children if we believe in him. We are part of the promise that he gave Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, 15, and 17. Here's what it says in Romans 11. He asked, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? Of course not. I myself and an Israelite, this is Paul speaking, a descendant of Abraham and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. No, God has not rejected his own people whom he chose from the very beginning. Do you not realize what the scripture said about this? Elijah the prophet complained to God about the people of Israel and said, Lord, you have killed your prophets and torn down your altars and I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me. That's what we feel like at times as believers. And do you remember God's reply, he said? No, I have 7,000 others who've never bowed down to Baal or to the world system or to the God of this world. It is the same today, for a few of the people of Israel have remained faithful because of God's grace, his undeserved kindness in choosing them and you and me. And since it is through God's kindness, though it is not by their good works, For in this case, God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. So the world is corrupt. God has sprinkled this planet with a remnant of people that believe in him who are truly his children and have not bowed down to the world's system because he has delivered us from that. They are everywhere in the world. 
Now, to this remnant, that's us, Jesus said, be in the world, but don't be a part of the world. Therefore, these believing people have been scattered all over the world to be salt and light in this corrupt world and are to point people to God and his kingdom. These believers have been sprinkled into every crook and cranny of life on earth, including the starting of a couple of the greatest countries that ever were birthed on this earth. Can you think of one of them? Israel. Remember, the corrupt kingdom rejected God as their king. And we don't want you to be our king. We want to be like all the other people in the world. So God said, I'll give you what you want. Go ahead, establish a kingdom without me, and go ahead and pick your leader. And you guys remember the leader was Saul. God rejected him, but then he picked a king after his own heart. So he worked within the system of corruption and raised up a man after his own heart. And the other great nation is dun, 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 dun. There it is. I heard it. Say it again. USA. Have you ever heard that on the media and the news? USA, USA, USA. Have you ever heard that? Are you guys deaf? Wow, USA. Did God establish this nation? Well, our founders believed in a radical idea. What was that radical idea? In the corrupt world that we live in, with all the corrupt people, God sprinkled some people in this nation who came up with this manifesto that said that all men are created equal and their rights came from God. Wow, was that a breath of fresh air. That idea, the very premise of our nation's founding, is increasingly under assault. By who? Well, by, I pray by the end of this message, you'll determine who. Okay, we've established that this world is corrupt, every crook and cranny of it, and that God has sprinkled people all over this world to be salt and light, to influence the kingdom of God and to save some like he saved you and me. So the next thing I want to talk about is the two kingdoms on earth, at least. That's what God teaches us. There are two kingdoms. By the way, believe it or not, this is not his kingdom. And you're scratching your head and you're saying, how is that possible? God created the heavens and the earth and everything that he created was good. But this kingdom, at least temporarily, is not his. How so? Well, let me refer to John 18, 36 to remind you, Jesus, who is God in the flesh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word became God, and the Word was flesh. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. So, again, we remember the lesson we just talked about a little earlier. Satan so influenced and infected this planet, it became all corrupt. And he is now the prince of the air. Well, let's look at that fact that I just established in Ephesians chapter 2. 
as for you, that's talking about us, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of what? The kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So what have we established again? There's two kingdoms. There's God's kingdom, and then there, there is this evil kingdom on earth. Revelation reminds us of this and clarifies it a little bit more that it is temporarily given to Satan. Revelation eleven fifteen. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world has become... Uh-oh, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. So now you're understanding there is a kingdom that is not of this world, but has come to this world, but is spiritual in nature. You know that, you understand it. I don't have time to go back into the lessons in John, which Jesus teaches us that. The kingdom is already here. But it's not this earth and planet. Satan is in charge of it. So he's the prince of the air. He's in charge, but only because God permits him to be in charge. We don't understand evil. Remember, God is in charge, but he has allowed Satan to be in charge, much like he allows you to make good decisions and bad decisions. We don't understand why, but Satan has been allowed temporarily to be in charge of what goes on around here, but cannot usurp God's authority, of course. So in a sense, we have two kingdoms competing for one another. Remember, again, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. So right now, this world, this earth is under the influence of Satan, who is a liar, a murderer, an adulterer, a deceiver, and many more names we could call him. How come we don't, when something happens, we say, God, how come you allowed this? Why don't you say, Satan, you rat, you deceiver, you liar, you murderer? How come we never say his name? Try doing that once in a while instead of taking God's name in vain. He's one. He's the one responsible. He has influenced every part of this earth so that every single corner of the earth is corrupt, as the Bible said. There is none that does good, no, not one. So once again, let me remind you, those looking in online, those listening this morning, every single ethnic group, every single race, every single person, every single government, and every single party is corrupt because we have listened to the prince of the air. But there is a kingdom that is not corrupt. And so the third thing I'd like to remind you of this morning, let's choose which kingdom we will serve. There's God's kingdom on this earth, or there is the world kingdom that is under the influence of Satan. Now, Jesus said, how long, God said, how long will you waver between two opinions? We announced that passage at the beginning of this message. Choose this day who you're going to serve. If Baal or nature or evolution or the world system be God, then serve it. 
If Jehovah, Yahweh, is God, then serve him. But there's no middle ground. Let me explain it by quoting a passage found in Mark and in Matthew. Mark 9. Teacher, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop. Because he was not one of us. Don't stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. I want you to kind of zero in on that. For whoever is not against us is for us. There's no middle ground. Let me explain it by quoting another passage, Matthew chapter 12. Jesus clearly said, he who is not with me, his kingdom, his values, his kingdomship, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, his values, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. So the scripture makes it very clear. There is no independence in the kingdom of God. Did you get that? No independence, no middle ground. You're either for me or you're against me. So choose, Jesus said, and if you love me, you will obey me. Whoever likes the world, believes like the world, and throws their hat in the ring with the world belongs to the world. But Jesus said, separate yourself from the world. So choose wisely which kingdom you will serve. The fourth thing this morning I want to bring to your attention is that I want to remind you that God, God, Yahweh, Jehovah, guess what? He alone created government and politics. And the world is trying to tell you and me to keep our nose out of politics. God Almighty established three major institutions on this earth, and one of them happens to be the government's. The family and the church. Let's look at this. So when the PC crowd tells you to keep religion out of politics, they're telling you that so they can have all the power and run this planet Satan's way. They actually are rebelling against God. The passage that proves that God started politics and government for those who are in the know and wanting to know. Romans 13 reminds us of this. Here's what God Almighty said. Everyone must submit to govern authorities. Here, here it is. For all authority comes from God. Oh, here's another key line. And those in positions of authority been what? Placed there by God. Oh, another key line for anyone, radical groups, who rebel against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished. Now reflect this passage out on the, our planet and especially the United States. Many people are rebelling against God's authority. That means every president, every queen, every leader was put there by God, was permitted 
This, this is also echoed in the Old Testament when you had a very wicked king that was converted. His name, Nebuchadnezzar. He had a dream, and Daniel interpreted the dream, and here's what Daniel reminded him of, and he echoed this later on in this particular chapter, Daniel 4. It says, for this has been decreed by the messengers. It is commanded by the holy ones so that everyone will know that the most high rules over the kingdoms of the world. He gives them to anyone he chooses, even to the lowliest of the people. So, it, it sounds like we're, we're, we're talking, saying one thing out of one side of the mouth and something else out of the other side. God is in charge. He has permitted Satan to influence this planet, which is corrupt. But at the same time, he has sprinkled kingdom kids all over this planet to influence, not necessarily the planet, but to influence the kingdom of God, to share the good news. There's a new kingdom coming. And so Christians are to be involved in God's government, even though the government is corrupt. Just like this world is corrupt, just like each person is corrupt. We have a God-given responsibility to be a part of government. The fifth thing I want to remind you of is this. Right now in the United States, we have two parties. I call them two playbooks. Again, forget personalities, and we're not even going to mention a name, but we have two playbooks. It is very important that you study the playbook of your opponents so you know some of their plays. In fact, some people try to steal the plays, steal the signals, as we've seen in baseball. That's all part of the fun. So there's two playbooks that run this kingdom. Okay, for argument's sake, let's say both parties are corrupt and both leaders are corrupt. So how do I vote? And does it even matter? Well, I want to approach that question logically with this particular illustration that I've come up with. And I believe answering this will help you vote. And the only way I know how to do this, and I've explained this to some of you, so it may be new, old to you, but some of you new. And this is true. This is not fake. You have two pharaohs. We can study the Old Testament. We understand the pharaohs thought they were God. And they ran their planet and their administration according to the way they wanted to, and it was anti-God. And then you have two pharaohs, so you think about two parties and two heads of the parties, and both, corrupt, so, and both parties are corrupt, and both uh, captains are corrupt, or both presidents to be are, are corrupt, so what do I do, and does it matter? Absolutely. Here's the illustration. One Pharaoh who's corrupt, who thinks he's God, tells Joseph, who is one of God's people in his administration, wearing his faith on his sleeve, so influenced the Pharaoh that he made him the most important person in all his kingdom except himself. 
Don't tell me he hid his faith. He did not hide his faith. In fact, his judicialness about him, his wisdom about him, put him head over heels over all the other wise men in his kingdom. And Pharaoh loved it because it fed his nation. God fed him and he didn't know it. But then he did something more unusual because of Joseph representing God in his administration. What did he do? Israel was experiencing a famine. And the Pharaoh says, let all your people come into my land. Let them choose the best of all the land in Egypt. The best. Let them go ahead and live the way they've been used to living. Let them worship their God. Welcome so while you have a very wicked administration running parallel with that was God's people enjoying a good way of life in Egypt. You have that Pharaoh to vote for. Okay, that's a Pharaoh. Arms wide open to God's people. Wide open to their way of life. Wide open to their morals. Then you have another Pharaoh. Do you remember Moses? And do you remember they were in bondage for how many years? And they cried out to God. And this wicked, wicked Pharaoh, here's what he was doing to God's people. You guys aren't going anywhere. You're going to be under my control. You're not going to be free. In fact, every firstborn that you give birth that's a male, we're going to kill him. You're not to let them live. You're not going to get to go to church out into the wilderness. You're not going there. You're not bringing your people and your men, and you're not going to worship the way you're used to worshiping. You're not doing that under my leadership. You're not doing it. So you have two wicked pharaohs. One wicked pharaoh says, I want to kill the firstborn. I want to kill those in the womb. I don't want you worshiping God your way, but my way. But the other pharaoh says, who's wicked? Who doesn't walk with God, believe in God, but says, my arms are wide open to your way of life. In fact, so much so, you can come into my kingdom and you can even influence me to make life better for you. Duh! It reminds me of the old commercial, I could have had a V8. Some of you don't remember, that's kind of an old commercial. I got two people. One says to God's people, you can go to church where you want. You can educate your people the way you want. You can marry the way you want. We're not going to make laws against your way of life, even though we're corrupt, even though we like wickedness. But we're going to allow that to happen. But this king over here, this president over here says, no way. You're going to be under our control. You're going to run your churches the way I want you to run your churches. And we're going to take those kids that you have that you give birth to, any woman that wants, guess what? You can have an abortion. By the way, ladies, that body doesn't belong to you. The body belongs to the Lord. The body was not made for sex. It was made for the Lord. 
Yes, we're so happy that wrongs have been righted. That's why our Constitution was done so brilliantly when they said all men and basically women in God's eyes are created equal in this sense. God said there's no difference now, right, between the Jew or the Greek, the male and the female, the slave or free, right? In God's sight, that's how he sees us. So you're going to the polls and you're thinking everybody's wicked, so how do I vote? What do I do? I think it's very obvious. I don't know about you, but for me and my family and my children and my grandchildren, I want to go to the Pharaoh that says, guess what? Come on in. The door's wide open. Take the best of the land. Worship the way you want. Raise your family the way you want. Go here. Here's a voucher to go to the school of your choice so you can teach. Oh, by the way, let me bring out quickly a couple reasons why. And I've handed you a sheet Basically, along the lines of morals, education is one of those that you can look at of which two parties' playbook sponsors our way of life. We're not talking about policy. We're not talking about COVID. We're not talking about race. We're talking about God's kingdom on earth, our way of life. So the world wants to control education. I don't know if you know this, saints. I don't have time to go into all the facts and all the dates in this one message. But remember, our first public school systems were founded by godly men and women and educated our children using the Bible. Actually, the Bible was used as, as an English book to teach our kids English. And they had prayer in the schools. And one of those pharaohs and one of those playbooks began to say, no, I don't want you to know that God created the heavens and the earth. In fact, we're going to give credit to his creation of creating itself. And we're going to write laws to make sure that every state in the United States of America is not able to teach that God created the heavens and the earth. That's one Pharaoh and what he has to say about education. And they don't want you to have a choice to learn how this world was created, and they've done that for the last two generations. I grew up where you could pray, and school started with a prayer, and the Bible was a mandatory course and a book that you had to read. American schools, the Genesis creation narrative was generally taught at the origin of the universe and of life until Darwin's scientific theories became widely accepted. So, just so that you know, the National Science Teachers Association is opposed to teaching creation as a science. What playbook are they a part of? As the Association for Science Teacher Education, the National Association of Biology Teachers, the American Anthropological Association, and the American Geoscience Institute, and the Geological Society of America, the American Geophysical Union, and numerous other professional teaching and scientific societies say this. We are not for teaching creation their view in the beginning a big bang the origin of life on earth is a set of paradoxes in order for life to have gotten started there must have been a genetic molecule something like dna rna capable of passing along blueprints for making proteins the workhorse for molecules of life that's what they believe so the issue has remained contentious with various U.S. states debating, passing, or voting down alternative approaches to creationism in science classrooms. So if you don't think this is important, 
then I, I know that was very important to our family. By the way, if you're in the public school systems and you're a teacher, um, you can still teach creation. You, I don't know if you know this, but you can teach it in civics and in philosophy, in current affairs, but you can't teach it in science. So you do have some rights, and if you are teaching the public school system, we live in a world, remember we live in a corrupt world, we work in a corrupt world, but you still have a mandate to teach the truth and not a lie. You can teach, but you need to be able to teach that alternative. If you can't do it, if you cannot teach the truth, then something's not right. So know your rights if you're a public school teacher. And then when you come home, you may have to debrief your children from everything they've been taught in the school systems because everyone cannot afford a private education, nor can everyone afford to stay home and homeschool their children. So we're not against, this pastor is not against public school teachers or the public school system. Remember, I told you it was started by believers. Our first Ivy League schools were started by godly men. So, education is extremely important, but the world doesn't want us to have a choice. Isn't that amazing? They all have choices in government, but they don't want you to have a choice. That ought to compute. The Pharaoh says, I don't want you to have a choice. This Pharaoh says, you have a choice. Who are you going to vote for? You're this way of life or a person that doesn't want you to be able to live out your kingdom values. Two, a couple moral values, and we're almost through. You have the whole list in front of you. One is life. I already told you what this Pharaoh wanted to do. You already know what one party wants to do. Now, I'm not saying there's not people over in this playbook that is all for our way of life, but they allow it like the Pharaoh, our way of life, and they pass laws in support our way of life. Why do you think a whole bunch of Christians are over in this party and and embrace this playbook even though there's corruption in it. Over here, it's almost totally corrupt with very, very few mentions. In fact, in its platform, it mentions God one time. That is a fact. Do the research. One time. Over here, multiple times. Over 15 times. Our way of life is promoted in this playbook our way of life is not promoted in this playbook. This maybe wicked king is saying, go ahead, live the way God intended you to live. And this playbook and this king says, no, you cannot live the way God wants you to live on this planet. To me, it's not rocket scientists how I should vote. But the Bible tells us very clearly that life begins in the womb. Remember this? Life begins in the womb. In Jeremiah 1.5, Jeremiah 1.5, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Even in a religious setting, I was shocked to find this answer about life when it begins. Has this party ever actually told you, has there been a consensus that actually tells you when life begins? Over here, there is a consensus in the playbook where life begins from God's perspective. Duh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to find out which side I want to be on. But it is amazing, even in churches, you have to be careful. You have to look at their playbook, their doctrine. Because here's what one 
religious group said about life. Life is dispensable. He forms a figure from the earth, but it does not become Adam, man in Hebrew, until God breathes into him the breath of life, and he became man. Clearly, life begins when you draw your first breath, although one of our governors has told us that's not true. That is when God places your soul in your body when you took your first breath. Your soul enters your body with your first breath and leaves with your last. Now, this is a religious institution. The body is just a vessel. Your being, your humanity is your immoral soul. That's what the Bible says. And for the life of me, I cannot understand why so many people, especially supposedly religious people like us, get this wrong. There's no question, no moral ambiguity. Abortion destroys an empty vessel. It does not kill a human being. This comes from religious people who are over here with this king, with this president, with its playbook about life. Now, some of you may be saying, oh, these are just a couple issues. When someone tells you what they believe about life, how about another one? I know you were waiting for it, sex. Same-sex marriage. God said in Genesis 1.27, here's what God said. Here's a, a playbook that thumbs up with this verse. Thumbs down with this verse. Remember I said last week one of the most recognizable signs and symbols on the planet is thumbs up or thumbs down. God created human beings in his own image and in the image of God he created them what? Adam and Steve. Mary and Sue. How do you do? No, he... he he created them male and female. I, I never could understand when I go to, the, the, to, to, the, to get plumbing, which I just had to get some just recently. Funny, it's always identified as what? I need a male part or I need a female part. Leviticus 20, 13 tells us this. This is not taught in half of our churches. If a man practices homosexuality, having sex with another man as with a woman, both have committed a detestable act. They both must be put to death, for they are guilty of capital offense. Playbook over here. Corrupt party, corrupt leader. But the leader says, welcome, Christians, and your way of life, and your view of life, and your view of sex, and your view of marriage. Over here, thumbs down to your view of sex, to you, your view of marriage, thumbs up to homosexuality. Which one are you going to vote for? You think it doesn't matter how you vote? We're talking about a way of life. Would you rather have the Pharaoh that made life harder for those under his jurisdiction killing the firstborn males of everyone that was born, making them work twice as hard as they were working before. They can't worship their God like they'd like to. Or the Pharaoh over here and the corrupt party and the corrupt playbook, but allows for your way of life, your view of life, your view of sex, and your view of gender. 
I wanted to show you on the screen, but I guess they can't. But I have it before me of what everyone believes about this whole subject that permeates our culture. And they pass laws permeating this view. The global divide and acceptance of homosexuality. Now, by the way, just a quick pause. And we're almost finished. When I talk about sin, remember, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You may have a son, a daughter, a brother, a niece, an aunt, an uncle. We're not trying to pass judgment on this person as if God will not forgive them. We're not trying to do that at all. Any sinner can come to Christ, but when you come to Christ, he changes you. Now the plumbing gets right when you come to Christ. Oh, I didn't know. That's female, that's male. They, uh, the serendipity moments. That's what happens when we come to Christ. 85, in Canada, 85% of the believe, people believe this is a proper way of life. 72% of the people in the United States, by the way, it's all in progressive countries that believe this. Brazil, 67%. Australia, 81%. Germany, 86%. Sweden, 94%. France, 86%. Spain, 89%. All believe this is an acceptable way of life. So when you go to the polls... I haven't said anything about policy. I haven't said anything about someone's righteousness at all. I'm not here to tell you about that. I'm talking about a playbook. We have two playbooks. We have the Pharaoh that is wicked and the party's wicked. His administration is wicked. But he permits Joseph and his people to live freely amongst them. In fact, so free that they can even influence his corrupt administration. Over here, for the most part, totally corrupt, the playbook, opposes God, opposes the thought of teaching there's a God, and therefore there's a domino effect. That's why, believer, you think it's a one or two or three-point issue. Again, I've not talked about all the problems in our country. Think about all the problems you have in your family and your marriages. We can't solve that overnight. And everybody has a belly button. Well, everybody has an opinion how it should be solved. These are non-negotiables. These are non-negotiables. So as for me and my house, I'm choosing to be identified over here. It's funny, even the world knows where we're at. Oh, those Christians, they're, they're over there. You want to find them? They're over there. Call 311. Or is it 331? Rat them out. I hope today I have honored God. I have not gotten involved in the politics. Listen, you stand up here. If you're trying to make everyone happy, forget it. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, did not come to earth to make everyone happy. But he came to reveal the good news that one could make peace with God. But it is a fact that corrupt kings throughout the scripture gave favor to God's people. It is a fact right before your very eyes that there is a playbook and there is a party that is favorable to you and me. Is that true? Can I hear amen? amen? All opposed, there's the door. I'm teasing you. I, I did preach this message knowing that I'm preaching 
basically to the choir, but praying those looking in online might be persuaded to look at it logically. I have, I have eliminated the argument that this candidate is better than this candidate, right? I've eliminated that this party's playbook is better than this party's playbook as far as not being corrupt. I put them both level on the table. But there is a part of their playbook that can make all the difference in the world. And that difference is they accept our way of life. I don't know about you, but I want my children and my grandchildren to enjoy the way of life that you and me have enjoyed today. Let's pray. Praise God. Father, people are looking in online and listening, and it is our hope that we will take this line of reasoning that you have made some wicked kings and queens under Esther, under Nebuchadnezzar, our tax receipts. You've given your people favor with these kings and queens that have blessed your people. But remind us, you are in charge and you're permitting for a short period of time evil. I don't understand it. We don't understand it. But you've permitted it for a time. Remind us that this world will never prevail against the church. Remind us, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Remind us they will persecute us because they persecuted you. Please, Father, we would love to be able to still live in a country, in a world that's very corrupt, with corrupt people all around us. We want to look at them like you looked at us and look for anybody that wants to believe in you. We want to pull them from the pit to the palace. Help us to be aware of those opportunities. But we want a way of life that we've enjoyed Please, we pray with many millions of believers all over the United States that you would permit our way of life to have favor with the next president of the United States of America. And you would push your people to vote that away, knowing corruption is all around us, but that we're to be salt and light in this corrupt world. In Jesus' name I pray.